You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And on this edition, I'm joined by a very, very special guest. Dusan Vlavic is making all the Arsenal-related headlines at the moment. The Serbian is rumoured to be a player that Arsenal are heavily, heavily interested in. And I thought, who better uh, to bring on to the show to give us the download, some insight, on the situation, then uh, well-renowned Serie A football writer, uh, host of the Playmaker podcast and Fiorentina fan, Chloe Beresford. Chloe, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Harry. Good, good. It's been a while since we've spoken. So um, tell people, first of all, before we get into the Vlavic stuff, we'll make them wait a minute, what it is you're up to now. Tell them about the podcast that you're doing as well, because it's brilliant. Okay, um, I'm doing a, a podcast that's just about around five minutes and it's every weekday. It's called The Playmaker for a company called Tortoise. And we look into the stories um, behind football, like uh, the issues, the sort of the magic moments, the anything that um, we can tell a story with, really. Um, so, yeah, I think I think all football fans would be interested and there's a variety of topics every day. Brilliant stuff. How can people find it? Where can they find it? Is it on all major podcast stores? It is, yeah. Yeah, you just uh, search for Playmaker or you can search for me on Twitter at Chloe J Beresford. Brilliant stuff. Make sure you do that. Make sure you head over and check out the Playmaker podcast. And I can tell you, it is fantastic. Chloe, let's talk Dusan Vlavic. And, and before we talk about the player himself and some of his attributes and what he could potentially bring to the Premier League, we are confused about what is going on right now because initially we heard that Arsenal were interested, the player isn't. Then we hear that Arsenal are about to completely break the bank and blow Fiorentina out of the water with this humongous offer in terms of a transfer fee. Then we hear that Arsenal are going to offer him a, a crazy salary. What is your understanding of what is actually happening right now with regards to Dusan Vlavic and a potential move to Arsenal? It's hard, isn't it, to cut through all the noise with transfers at times. But um, I think Fiorentina's position is that um, they've got uh, new-ish American owners who, whereas in the past Fiorentina were a bit of a selling club and if a big offer came in, then, you know, they were they were happy to take the money. Um, these American owners are, are more wealthy. So I don't think they're desperate to cash in, um, certainly not in January anyway. Um, so I think, you know, he's got another year left on his contract after the end of uh, this year. I think they will be happy to see it out and get the best deal for all involved. I think they've tried to offer him an, a contract extension, which hasn't worked. I think there's been a bit of tension um, between the club and his agent. Um, but so I, I think it's maybe a little bit of a breakdown in relationship, but I think they will stick out for the best offer. And I don't think there will be in any rush to sell him in January, I guess, unless the player himself really, really demands a move. Um, but he has said he wants to stay at least till the end of the season, help Fiorentina get into Europe. So 
Um, I think that's probably the current situation um, from a Fiorentina point of view. There's been a lot of talk about him preferring a move to Juventus. Now, you know, obviously Juventus, very prestigious club, not exactly where they want to be currently. Um, but you feel like if they make a couple of really positive signings, they could be back up there challenging for the Scudetto, right? The gap is not that big, really. Um, what do you make of that? Do you think that Vlavic's preference would be probably to stay in the Serie A? Because we know that it's a, a, a very exciting league. I've said on this podcast time and time again, if I didn't support Arsenal, it would be my favourite league to watch. But the financial difference right now between what the Premier League clubs can do and what the Serie A clubs can do is huge, isn't it? And and surely that will play a part. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, if you actually listen to what the Juventus um, directors and, um, you know, uh, chiefs at Juventus are saying, they're talking a lot about the fact that they um, need to cut back on their costs. You know, the pandemic's had a, a big mm. impact. And there's simply, like you say, there simply isn't the same money in Serie A as there is um, in the Premier League. So um, I guess in the end, you know, that that money will be pretty crucial. Um, and I don't think there's any way uh, in January uh, particularly that Juventus could afford Vlavic. Um, and even in the summer, I'm still not 100% sure that they could. Yeah, no, great points. Tell us a little bit, Chloe, about the player. Um, you know, I've seen him compared to Lewandowski. I've seen him uh, talked about as a bit of a target man. I've seen him at times talked about as someone who's a little bit more mobile than people give him credit for. How would you kind of profile Dusan Vlavic as a player? I wouldn't say he's purely a target man. Um, he does move quite well. Um, he can lay the ball off. You know, he's he's not a striker that will just stay in the six-yard box and wait for tap-ins. Um, I think because he's tall and he's physical, I think he might look like that. Um, but if you watch the games, he, you know, he... He's got that talent where, yes, he can score a lot of tap-ins, but also he can create a goal out of nothing. He can score from further out. Um, he can, like I say, lay the ball off for his teammates. Um, you know, he, he started off as actually quite a frustrating player. Um, he, you know, he didn't explode straight away and, and he went down too easily and he missed a lot of chances, but he's just exploded. And, and you know, I think he is the complete striker, to be honest. Yeah, that's great to hear when you <laughs> when you know that your club is so strongly interested. That is obviously great to hear. Um, is, and, and obviously as an Arsenal fan, I'll, you know, I will be biased in this and that's why I'm asking you the question and not answering it myself. Are, is Dusan Vlavic above Arsenal, given where they currently are and given the fact that they're very much going for a rebuilding phase? not guaranteed to be in the Champions League next season, not even guaranteed to be in the Europa League. Does it feel like someone, as someone who watches him week in, week out, who really understands the quality and potential this guy has, that a move to Arsenal could potentially be selling himself short and that if he waits to the summer, there could be bigger, more powerful, um, you know, better football teams looking at bringing him in? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think um, in terms of where he is in world football, he, he's up there at the very, very top at the moment. He is one of the best players in the world at the moment. And because of his age, because he's so young, he is going to be in massive demand. However, when you think about the very big teams like Barcelona and, and Juve, they, those kind of teams have got 
financial constraints at the moment. So um, Arsenal are perhaps below the level that he'd want to be eventually, but he's still young. And uh, if the money, if the money is right, and Arsenal obviously have. They're not where they want to be right now, but they have a prestige. They, you know, they're a, a name that you recognise. They've got a great history, um, and so I think it's probably a bit of a reach for Arsenal. But if they can, you know, if they can pull it off, it would just be amazing, wouldn't it? I think he. It's it's hard to say. You don't know what the player thinks of Arsenal himself, do you? But um, yeah, it will be a reach, but it's not impossible, is what I would say. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think for a lot of people out there that are saying that, you know, this is impossible and it's not a deal that he would even consider and even entertain, I would always say to them, well, when you look at Vlavic's age, this would be an opportunity to come to the Premier League where there is more glitz and glamour. That's that's the reality of it, where the spotlight is even more so on you and, and give him the opportunity to then prove himself in another league and then go on to that move that he might see as his forever move. So yeah. it, it just depends on how, because, you know, footballers have their careers mapped out in a lot of ways, don't they? I mean, if you think about Erling Haaland when he was playing in Austria, everybody's opinion was, well, he's done so well now that he's going to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona immediately. And he ended up going to Borussia Dortmund, which is that perfect step to then continue your development without kind of really going up to that highest level and, and potentially being a flop. So do you think, he might look at the example of Erling Haaland, a, a young striker who's really kind of blown up over the last few seasons and think that this could be a good career path as opposed to just holding out, holding out for a, a Real Madrid or somebody like that, going there and, and maybe not necessarily hitting the heights he'd hope. Yeah, it's certainly a possibility because um, I think we've seen examples of players in the past that have been, that have looked, you know, absolutely amazing um and they've gone for a big move and then they've maybe been benched a bit more than they'd like and their confidence drops and then it, it gets into a cycle then um whereas if you go somewhere slightly below those very top elite clubs like you say uh if you carry on with that same scoring form then you you're going to get a big move anyway so yeah i think it, it, it if he's kind of on the more cautious side about his career. And and he is a player who started off with quite low confidence, as I said. So he might be aware that he wouldn't want a knock to his confidence um, and see his form drop. So, yeah, um, from that point of view, I would say that it, it could be a good move. We don't really know what Vlavic is, is thinking is at the moment. You know, we don't know if, you know, there are reports that he doesn't want Arsenal. Others say that his agent doesn't want Arsenal. We don't really know where his head and mind is at. But there are a lot of Arsenal fans that are torn on this now. As, as much as there are fans out there who feel like this would be a wonderful signing, who would come in and really elevate us to another level. And if we do want to get to that next level, then we do need to break the bank and we do need to go out there and get the best and most wanted players. But others are a little bit cautious about this. And one of the things that keeps coming up in the conversations is ego. Is he a player with an ego? Is he a player that would disrupt what appears to be a pretty good balance in terms of the team harmony at the moment at Arsenal? As somebody who watches him every week and very, very closely, would that be a concern of yours? I have not seen from him any major display of ego at all. Um, he... 
the the owner of the club, Rocco Camiso, kind of sold him out to the fans because he said Fiorentina gave uh, Vlavic a, a very good contract offer, which he turned down. And, um, you know, he, after that, Vlavic went over to the fans after a game um, and sort of offered his shirt and they threw it back at him. And um, after that, you didn't see any complaining in the press about the fans. You didn't see any kind of, um, you know, disappointment or anything really. He just got on with his job. And I think he is still a very down-to-earth player. Um, and, it, you know, players change if he gets a big money move, maybe that would increase his ego a little bit. But I've not seen anything from him that that looks like he's that kind of stroppy, egoic player at all. And we've also got to think about those things, right? Because in Serie A, it's not uncommon for an owner to get really involved and be very vocal about a contract situation or a transfer situation. Whereas here, that comes as a bit of a culture shock to us. It's like, well, hold on a minute. What, what are you doing? You know, if the Arsenal owners came out and said that they'd offered a player a new contract and they rejected it, everybody would go, what? That's, that's yeah, a massive exactly. story. But it's, it's a very different footballing culture, isn't it? And I think we have to understand that when we're kind of drawing these kind of conclusions about a young man like Dusan Vlavic, who's very much on the upward rise. Um, in terms of a percentage, before I let you go, what would you say the, the likelihood is of, of this transfer getting done, first of all, in January and then in the summer? I'd say in January, 20% chance. I, I really don't think, I mean, I could, I could be proven wrong, but I really don't think it's going to go through in January. He he has said he wants to stay and, and help Fiorentina in Europe. So um, unless Arsenal come in with a ridiculous offer, I don't see it in January. I'd say that would go up to 55 in in the summer. Um, I think there's a fairly good chance. Um yeah, I think it's, it is it is much more likely in the summer. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I've always thought that. I've always said that for me, going out and getting the striker of tomorrow for Arsenal was a, a bit of summer business. And I just, I guess the, the thought that we've been having as a, as a fan base and, and, and as people who cover the club is that does the Aubameyang situation accelerate those plans? Does it accelerate them enough for Arsenal to then feel like it's, it's justified in you know, paying that bit extra to force a club or make a club feel as though they need to part ways with their player um, in the middle of the kind of season. Uh, just before you go, Chloe, uh, this is a really good question from Matt. He says, Chloe, if we can't get Vlavic, are there any other strikers in Serie A who aren't on our radar that you would recommend? Now, we've been linked over the last 24 hours with Beto of Udinese as well. Um, is there anyone that kind of comes to, to your mind as a player that Arsenal should look at as a striker in the Italian league? Yeah, um, Raspadori at Sassuolo. He's just breaking into the Italian national team. Um, and I think he he's not the finished article like Vlavic, but he's certainly a player that could be developed um, into a, a successful striker. He's, you know, he's do, done really well at Sassuolo. And uh, yeah, I, if, if you would to go with for anyone as a reserve choice, I would say him. Brilliant stuff. Chloe, thank you so much. Uh, just remind people where they can follow you on social media and how they can grab the Playmaker podcast. Yeah, so I'm at Chloe J. Beresford on Twitter. Um, and the Playmaker podcast is available on all um, podcast platforms. So just type it in and, and you'll find it. And uh, it's free. So it'd be great if you could give an episode a go and see what you think. 
Brilliant stuff. Make sure you check out the Playmaker podcast. Make sure you give Chloe a follow on social media as well. And Chloe, thank you so, so much for your expert insight. It's truly appreciated. You're welcome. Brilliant stuff. That was the excellent Chloe Beresford, uh, Italian football writer and Fiorentina fan, giving us the download and some insight on to Dusan Vlavic and the situation currently around the striker. I've shared with you guys my thoughts on the player time and time again. Um, I think he'd be a wonderful signing. I think he's got so much to offer. But is this a deal that can be done during this current transfer window? That is the big question. And we're going to have to wait and see as to whether this is something Arsenal can pull off sooner rather than later. In other news, uh, following Balogun is expected to have his Middlesbrough medical today before joining the club on loan for the remainder of the season. Middlesbrough are going to cover 15%, 1-5 of Balogun's wages of his reported £40,000 a week salary. Look, a lot of people are up in arms about this again because there's been a lot of conversation over the last few days about how the squad is uh, threadbare, how the squad is weak, how the squad is lacking in depth. But with me, um, you know, I, I'm not really against this. I think following Balogun is in a place where he needs to be playing football and he needs to be playing football regularly. And the only way he's going to do that is by going out on loan. Why? Because I don't think he's ready just yet to lead the line for Arsenal. He is not somebody I consider as a viable option today. Therefore, sending him out on loan is the right thing to do. And obviously, having offered him a long-term contract just recently, Arsenal were looking at it that way too. And that's why it feels right to me that Balogun does go out on loan. Now, every time we hear of a departure and we don't hear of an arrival, then there's, of course, going to be an adverse reaction. And that is as a consequence of where we are as a team and as a squad. But I think this is the right move. I really, really do. Um, let's take some of your thoughts in the chat box uh, with regards to the Vlavic story, because I can see lots of you continuing to react to that. Um, Winters Wrath says that, sorry, but 150 million on a 21-year-old who never played in the Premier League seems a big risk for me. We need a central defensive midfielder before a striker. Let me just clarify the 150 million pounds figure that is being quoted is the total cost of a deal that would see Dusan Vlavic uh, coming to the Premier League. And that is based on reports claiming that the Serbian wants £300,000 per week. That is not the transfer fee. The transfer fee is still being reported as €55 million Euros plus Lucas Torreira, which amounts up to around about €70 million. Euros. But of course, if he is looking for a bumper contract like that, then the total cost of the deal rises quite quickly and quite dramatically. Um, keep coming with your your thoughts, your questions. I'd love to uh, run through all of those. Let's take um, uh, some more of the news and reports coming out of the uh, Twitter sphere and transfer kind of world today. Um, starting with Bruno Gimaraish. Now, of course, we've been linked heavily with Bruno Gimaraish last summer, and that continues now. Um, apparently, according to reports, Goal in Brazil are saying that Juventus have now entered the race to sign Bruno Gimaraish from Lyon. They want him on loan with an obligation to buy clause inserted that will be uh, around about 45 million euros in the summer. I mean, surely... As Arsenal Football Club, as a Premier League juggernaut, which we are, you know, maybe not on the pitch at this moment in time, but in terms of our finances, in terms of our stature, power, 
we should be able to match that. Okay, that's what Leon want. They want an obligation to buy clause inserted in any loan deal that they entertain this month, according to Goal in Brazil. And Juventus are willing to do that. So why can't we do it? Why can't we go, even if we don't have 45 million euros today, why can't we go and say, here's 20 million euros now up front and we give you the rest in the summer? Why can't Arsenal find a way of making this happen? Kia Jurabshan is said to be willing to get involved in this deal. And I know we've been really critical of his involvement in Arsenal transfers previously. However, if he can help in a situation like this, whereby we'd be going out and getting a top class midfielder to come in, not just to plug a hole, not just to fill a gap, not just to fill a void for the next month or so, but to help us continue to build and move in the right direction. Why wouldn't we call upon Kia Jarabchan to come in and help? Um, So interesting there that Juve have now supposedly entered the race. And I guess we're going to find out now, um, you know, with with supposedly talks ongoing between Juve and Lyon, if Arsenal actually are interested or as interested as some of the reports are suggesting in Bruno Guimaraes. So that's certainly one to keep your eye on. Now, I was reading an interesting piece this morning uh, from Amy Lawrence uh, from The Athletic, and she was talking about um, about the midfield situation and the fact that Arsenal are supposedly pursuing a midfielder at this moment in time on loan. Now, that would fit in to this Bruno Guimaraes story, right? Player who we could potentially bring in on loan in the interim and maybe have an uh, an obligation to buy clause in there somewhere a little bit later down the line. <sighs> Look, I, and I know this is a touchy subject, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. I put it on Twitter and I'm going to share some of your Twitter responses uh, in just a moment. Let's quickly glance over to the poll that we popped in at the beginning of the show. And that is, given our current issues in midfield, is it time to consider handing Jack Wilshire? a short-term deal. And I can tell you that right now, midway through this episode, based on 145 votes, we're split at 50-50. Some of you want to see Jack Wilshire come in. Others don't. Pop it in the chat. Would you be happy with Jack Wilshire being signed up on a short-term deal? Now, I'm not saying, when I talk about Jack Wilshire being signed up, I'm not saying that Arsenal should not be looking for a midfielder and that this would mitigate the risk entirely. I'm just saying that given the current situation, given the fact that it's very, very unlikely we're going to get a midfield player in by the time Thursday comes when we take on Liverpool and by the time the North London derby comes around this Sunday, I don't think this is a bad idea. Um, It's not ideal. And as I said on Twitter, I was dead against this deal previously, but it feels like it's something that we might need to do. Um, Let's see what you guys are saying. Um, Shantam says, giving Wilshire a deal is shrewd and smart. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Bruce Banana says, on a pay-per-play contract. Uh, Zoo says, as an extra body, yes, but not as a first-team player. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Afsar Gunner, very, uh, sorry, feels very, very strongly about this. He says, no, 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 no to Jack. Nobody wants Jack. So why Arsenal? He's finished and we need to move forward. Um, Rancid Pumpkin says, love Wilshire, but no. Uh, GB says, we cannot afford another sort of Dennis Suarez desperation signing in the form of Jack Wilshire for him to make zero starts for us. Uh, What else have we got? Peanut Butter Jelly Time says, no to Wilshire. 
Um, lots of you kind of saying, like, just put the money on the table and go and get Bruno Gimaraes. But obviously, that is dependent as well on, on Leon's stance. And, and although there are reports suggesting that they would entertain offers for the Brazilian midfielder, we don't know that that is 100% the case. So as I always say to you guys, I'm very wary of kind of jumping down rabbit holes with regards to transfer speculation because it is so difficult to kind of make sense uh, of exactly what's going on. Arsenal legend says, well, if you're going to get Wilshire, you might as well uh, sign Ramsey as well. Uh, Matt Murdoch says signing Jack will show the laziness of both Arteta and Edu. Interesting stuff. Right. Get your questions in. Let's take questions throughout the remainder of the show. Keep voting on the poll as well. And if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. There's over 250 of you watching us live right now. We've only got 70 likes on the board. Uh, please do subscribe to the channel as well if you haven't done so already, because here on YouTube, we're fast approaching 18,000 subscribers. As I always say to you, whenever you get close to like hitting a milestone thousand, it seems to take a bloody age. So I'm not surprised uh, that it's taken a bit longer. Uh, but please do, uh, as I say, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, Ryan Ladd says, what happened to Awa? That's a really bloody good question because we were, you know, heavily linked with Hussein Awa last time out. Uh, it didn't happen. We were heavily linked with Hussein Awa when we signed Thomas Partey the summer before last. But that kind of interest has, has appeared to have gone cold. And what that's done is it's made me consider whether that interest was actually as strong as first reported. We know that Jean-Michel Olas, the Lyon president, was very vocal about Arsenal and their supposed interest in Hussein Mouar. And I just wonder if he was trying to play a little bit of a game, if he was trying to spark some sort of bidding war um, and shine the light on his player in an attempt to cash in for as much as possible. You make a great point, Ryan. And honestly, I don't know uh, what's happened to the interest in a while, but it has diminished uh, based on all accounts. And uh, and so we have to, um, you know, we kind of have to, I guess, just accept that that one's probably water under the bridge. Uh, going back to the Wilshire thing, uh, some bloke, love that name, says all day long on Wilshire, I might even weep a little. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Um, Zeus says, Arsenal were willing to pay 55 million for Vlavic. So that means that Arsenal do have funds better off spending that money on Bruno. And that's a really, really interesting point because I said yesterday, I think it was, that I feel as though we've kind of been sucked into the striker hype um, based on these Vlavic rumours. And we've almost overlooked the fact that midfield is the real problem and it should be the priority. The game at Nottingham Forest... Uh, the other day, actually shone a light back on that issue. And I think kind of uh, brought it home for a lot of people. You know, the centre of midfield is a serious, serious problem for Arsenal at this moment in time. And, and look, I like to think of myself as someone who doesn't overreact, as someone who is has learned in his old age to kind of step back from a situation and look at it in a calm and composed manner. Um you know, obviously I'm human and that isn't always the case, but I like to do it as much as possible or, or try to do it as much as possible. And I think the situation that we find ourselves in right now with regards to the midfield is one of serious worry and serious concern. And I can't stay calm about that. I genuinely feel the Arsenal season is in danger of completely unravelling if we don't solve this problem. Um, and the fact that this is a problem we knew was coming 
nobody knew that Granite Xhaka was going to test positive for COVID ahead of Nottingham Forest, okay? But we did know the AFCON was coming up and we did know that two of probably our best four central midfield options as a football club or the best four in terms of what Mikel Arteta has been picking were going to leave to go to the AFCON. We knew that from ages ago. Therefore, we needed to try and mitigate that risk before it posed us a problem. And now we're in a place where it's Tuesday and we're scrambling to sort this mess out with huge fixtures, three huge fixtures back to back that could define our season in lots of ways are on the horizon. And we are really short. This is really poor mismanagement. And I'll tell you what, even if Mikel Arteta and his side go and get a, a respectable result at Liverpool, go and beat Tottenham Hotspur at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and then somehow progress uh, in the second leg with a victory or whatever result is necessary to get through against Liverpool, that will be, in my opinion, Mikel Arteta getting away with it and being extremely fortunate as opposed to something we should be lauding him over. Because the issue is clear for everybody to see. So, um, yeah, I am worried. I am very, very worried. Uh, what else have we got? Um, lots of you kind of asking the question as to why Leon, going back to the Gimarish thing, would would allow him to leave mid-season. Money talks, my friend. And I think if money is, um, is, uh, is available and Arsenal can break the bank, I don't think that there would be, uh, you know, too much pushback from Leon because their financial situation, as we know, is not great. And that will always take precedent, wouldn't it? Um, Matt Modoc says, love your streams, Harry, because we have totally different opinions regarding Arteta, the players and the management. But that's what makes football beautiful. Different views, but support the same club. Completely agree with you, mate. And look, I don't do this to like force my views on people. OK, I I like to share them um, and, and I'm, I'm very open to other people's views as well. I, I might not always agree with you. And sometimes I might push back and question some of those opinions. But that's what we're here for. Right. The conversation. Let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Arsenal legends uh, going back to the point I made earlier, says he's hearing that Bruno's uh, agent or, or that Kia Jurabchan could be involved in brokering a deal between Arsenal and Leon for Bruno Gimaraj. But what about Bissouma? And that's another one, right, who there's been so much speculation around and so much hot air around. Yet, in my heart of hearts, I don't really know that Arsenal were ever that interested. I mean, I don't know how many times, and this is not a dig at you, mate, but I don't know how many times people kind of need to be told that Bissouma wasn't at the top of Arsenal's list. He might be at the top of the fans list and he might be a player that the fan base feel would improve the team and would help us, uh, you know, take things up a level. but by all accounts, from any kind of reliable source, we've always heard that actually Bissouma is not somebody that Arsenal are considering. So I'm not surprised that nothing's come of that. And I'm not surprised that he's been linked to other clubs now uh, as well. Aston Villa being one of them. Uh, let's see what else uh, we have got in the chat box. Um Adam says, bloody hell, £150 uh, for Vlavic. If it was £150, I'd buy him myself and have him do kick-ups in front of me here uh, and have him on the show every day. But no, uh, £150 million is the cost being quoted for the entirety of the Dusan Vlavic deal if that was to, to be done, if it was to be concluded. And that's taking into account the huge salary that he is said to be demanding. Um 
lots of you uh, or a couple of you I've seen in the chat today alone uh, bringing up Spence, uh, the Nottingham Forest right back who, who destroyed us, according to Davidson. He's available for eight to 10 million pounds. Why are we waiting? We need our tour on loan and Wilshire on a six month deal plus Vlavic. You've got it all mapped out. Love it. Um, what else have we got? Uh, kind of going slightly off subject um, a little bit. Uh, let's take this one from Steve Stone, who says, um, hold on, uh, completely off topic, but with regards to VAR, do you feel imposing a time limit would be beneficial? I have some sympathy with Gerard last night. The, the thing with VAR, and listen, I've always been a big supporter of VAR because I felt like the standard of refereeing was so bad that something needed to happen, something needed to give. And I was sick and tired of seeing games decided on based on VAR decisions. With the introduction of VAR and the continual incompetence that we're seeing off the back of that, it hasn't convinced me that VAR is a bad thing. It's convinced me that the referees and the officials are even worse than I bloody thought they were. Because even with the tools available even with the luxury of replays, they're unable, um, you know, to to come to the correct decisions. I just feel like we've taken it a little bit too far. Um, I think a time limit is something we probably need. You know, if you if you need three, four minutes to decide what the outcome is, then it's not a clear and obvious error. And, and they're the ones that keep throwing the clear and obvious narrative down our throats, right? We're I, when when VAR came about and when we were debating whether or not it'd be a good thing for football, I never once used the term clear and obvious. That was the term that the PGMOL and the powers that be kept sort of throwing at us, you know, in a kind of way where they'd be able to protect themselves against making mistakes by saying, well, it was clear and obvious or it wasn't clear and obvious. And I think that's the problem. I think the time limit is, is you know, I don't mind if it takes a little bit longer, but we come to the correct decision. And that means that the game is not spoiled. But what I do have an issue with is this culture we're seeing now where it seems like people are looking for a reason to disallow a goal. And I think that was certainly the case in the game last night between Manchester United and Aston Villa. First, it was, was Danny Ings offside? Did Ollie Watkins get a touch on the ball? In which case, Danny Ings was offside. They couldn't decide on that. Then they were trying to work out, um, you know, something else. And, and then it was, uh, sorry, yeah. So first it was, did Danny Ings handball it? Then they were trying to work out if Danny Ings was offside. And then they were trying to work out if there was a foul or block on the Manchester United defender. And I just thought, you've taken all this time and now you've gone to the third potential issue. That means it's not clear and obvious. So if you, as, as the authorities, are going to keep talking about clear and obvious, then you need to, to understand that you're, you're contradicting yourselves. And I think that's exactly what happened last night. Uh, so, yeah, really, really frustrated. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, I said that I don't force my ideas on you guys. Uh, Sajal says, you do force your idea that Rogers is a fraud. <laughs> I'm just not a massive fan of Brendan Rogers. I just don't rate him as highly as other people do. Sue me. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? Um, according to Gary Jacob of The Times, uh, Crystal Palace are in talks to sign Eddie Nketiah, who is out of contract at the end of the season. Palace's offer of £12 million was rejected last summer when Arsenal wanted closer to £20 million. That's the first I'm reading of that story, Harvey. So thank you uh, for bringing it to my attention. And, and I'll dig into it a little bit more and hopefully bring you an update um, with maybe a bit more information on, on the next episode. But 
yeah, look, it's no secret that Crystal Palace were interested in him in the summer. It's no secret that Eddie Nketiah wasn't sure about the move. We know that Arsenal had actually accepted an offer from Crystal Palace. I don't know exactly how much that was for, but that was the information we were told and we received at that point. So, um, yeah, look, Arsenal are in a place with Eddie Nketiah where they'll feel like it's now or never. Well, it is now or never in terms of getting money in for him. But that also, with the Aubameyang situation, which nobody foresaw at the start of the season, leaves us incredibly short. And if you're going to let Balogun go out on loan as well, then all of a sudden the striking situation is as bad as the midfield one. You're one injury away from a disaster, a catastrophe. And that's my big worry and concern. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, if he's going to go, he's going to go. But I just think at this point, it's about the team now. And and we've got to stop putting players' wishes first. It sounds horrible, but we've done it with Maitland-Niles and we've left ourselves up shit street. So I, I think for me, I want to see Arsenal hold on to the player. Not that I particularly want to see him play all the time, but I think he's got to, he's got to be involved at least until the end of the season so that we can uh, move forward. Uh, lots of you saying that you drive Eddie anywhere he wants to go. Um, yeah, look, I don't think his performance at the weekend, um, you know, changed people's opinions of him. Um, so, yeah. Right. Uh, let's quickly check on uh, where we are in terms of the likes. Uh, we're slowly creeping towards 100 likes on the video. There's over 315 of you watching us live right now. So please do get involved. Um, just a quick message from our sponsors over at ProPrep. ProPrep is the perfect study tool for uni students undertaking science, tech, engineering, or maths-related modules, and it can half your study time. They provide bite-sized videos relevant to the module or course, which can be accessed from any device at any time, and it's already helped over half a million students to pass their exams. They provide customized STEM study tools that match your syllabus. Long lectures are condensed into short and clear video tutorials. And after the videos, you can go through what you've just learned with interactive exercises and practice questions. So you'll always uh, be ready. Uh, you can even submit questions to the pro prep professors and get a video answer back within 24 hours. And they've created a special offer just for our listeners. All you need to do is go to their website, proprep.uk slash football for more info. And our listeners can sign up for a free 30-day trial now. No credit card information is required. That's proprep.uk slash info slash football. That's proprep, the ultimate study tool. Check it out. And we thank them, of course, for their support. Right. Um, what else have we got? What else have we got? Uh, let's take this one from Savrine, who says, Harry, why do you think Laka rejected a one-year contract extension? I think it's perfect for Arsenal and Laka, given the situation. Do you think Arsenal offered far too little in terms of the salary he expected? So I think as a football player, right, you're always looking to get the longest contract possible. And the reason you do that is because you, you want that security. OK, and when you come towards the end of your career, and I'm not saying that Lacazette's going to retire tomorrow. He's 30. You know, 30 is not old. I'm I'm 31 um, and I'm not retiring. I wish I could, but I'm not. Um, when you get to that point in your career, I think 30 plus, I think you start to think about what's going to happen after you stop playing football. Not that you haven't earned enough money. I know there's a big debate around that all the time. You know, footballers earn too much money, etc. But for me, I just think he'll be looking to protect himself. And if he can go somewhere else and get a three, four year deal, then obviously that would be more appealing to Alexander Lacazette. And 
I guess it depends on the role that he feels he'll be given and be playing. If he's been told, for example, that we're offering him this deal as a bit of a token because of the, the great servant that he's been, yet we're going to go and break the bank for Dusan Vlavic, which means he's never really going to play unless he's, he's called upon as a reserve. He might feel like, A, the, the terms are not good enough to justify him putting off another opportunity that's potentially come along. And B, yeah, he's 30, but he wants to be playing football week in, week out. So I think there are so many factors that come into this. We heard yesterday, there was a report doing the rounds yesterday that Arsenal have offered him a two-year deal. I don't know that to be true. So I don't want to kind of add fuel to that fire. Uh, but it's said that Arsenal have been impressed by what they've seen of him of, of late and would be happy uh, for him to to take on a two-year deal. But we'll have to wait and see. I think Arsenal have been really clear about the fact that they're not going to give anything away with regards to Lacazette and his contract situation prior to the end of the season. So I think we're going to have to hold tight on that uh, for the time being. Right, uh, going to leave it there. We'll be back later with more. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, check out Pro Prep. Check out Athletic Greens as well. Uh, get involved. The links are in the description below. Please do check them out. I'll be back very soon with more Arsenal and Transfer Talk. Until next time, goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.